This episode of the Shooting Bricks Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Fantasy. Do you want to make some quick cash on sports betting but don't really know how? Well, come hashtag prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier athletes in a specific sport. For instance, if you're interested in the NFL on Thrive Fantasy, you choose 10 out of the 20 player prop positions to build your lineup. NFL not your thing? Not a problem. For the NBA, MLB, PGA, or esports, you choose 5 out of 10 player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to happen. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a share of the prize pool. If you're into the PGA, Thrive has new contests for each day of tournaments, so don't sweat it if your golfers ruin your weekend by not making the cut. Since launching in 2018, Thrive has awarded over $1.3 million in prizes. Ready to play? You can download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Don't forget to use our promo code SBPOD when you sign up today to receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. Welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And because there's so much going on these last four or five days, we're just going to hop right into it. But first, I'm Jared Castillo, and as always, I'm joined by... Uh, I am Daniel Payne, uh, and uh, also joining us tonight... It's your boy, Really Real, Jarrell Sales. And guys, there's a lot of matchups we need to talk about. We have We had all of the the matchups, I guess, going on. And which one do you guys want to start out with? Because I know that you guys have a ton of feelings about the Lakers. So do you guys just want to start off with that, rip off the Band-Aid real quick and move on from there? Uh, I, I <laughs> guess right. we could uh, go ahead. All right. And so for those that didn't watch the game, the Trailblazers, they pulled out one hell of a win against the Lakers, 100-93. to LeBron James is the first player in NBA history at the ripe old age of 35, 36, to average or to get 20 points, 15 rebounds, and 15 assists. And he's also now 12-2 and in the first round when it comes to first-round matchups. And one thing that surprised me was the Lakers were down five correct me if I'm wrong late in the game with under a minute left and they just kind of gave up that's not a good look feelings right after the game frustrated um I'm just flat out nervous guys I mean like Jarrell like I don't know about you but um so I mean some of the problems we've been seeing these like the past eight games man like I was hoping and praying that come playoff time come playoff time Danny Green was going to hit his shots finally. We're still not hitting our shots. We're still we're the Lakers are still abysmal from downtown. It's I mean it's it's obvious that it's affecting us. The like the the copious amounts of missed open threes was criminal last night. It was it was it was criminal. It was criminal. And if we don't if the, if the Lakers don't fix that soon, even if we survive this round, which I'm I'm still leaning towards yes, but you know I I don't want to get into that. We're still, 
we're going to get bounced by either like a Houston or for surely by, by the, by the Los Angeles strippers. So, I mean, it's not good. You know, the funny thing is we could have won that game last night. We were in control and late and near the, near the end of the fourth quarter, but we rushed the temple and we looked and we got reckless and we let Portland take back and back in control. But other than that, there were even even the good parts of last night's game. There, there are some things like that were very concerning off the television set. Ooh, I am chomping at the bit because I, the I have I'm representing Lakers. I'm a Lakers fan all day, and I have so much anger and shit to say because I was like you, Daniel. I was like, oh yeah, miraculously the Lakers are going to just be a totally different team in the in the uh, playoffs. No, I'm getting tired. I, I went on to Twitter, and, and I have Lakers fans saying all of this. Uh, they're just missing shots. What the f*** are you in the NBA to do? Make shots. So that's I mean, not an excuse no more. I, I'm not done. Let me get started. I got to. Because we keep saying Danny Green ain't hitting his shots. KCP ain't hitting his shots. You're in the f***ing NBA to do what? Hit shots. What do we – how do we score? Ha. Huh. So to make that excuse like, oh, yeah, Lakers, they're just not making their shots. Mother f- what are we supposed to do? We got to score. So that there's so many excuses we are giving the Lakers. I am nervous. I am scared. I am shocked. I am I af- afraid, frustrated, all the above. Portland came to play. The Lakers went out there and played like some all around. LeBron, AD, the whole team. I'm scared. <laughs> I watched that game. I'm over here sweating. I kid you not, I am a Lakers fan. But to see how they play and to just keep saying these excuses, it's it's not it's not looking good. It's not looking good. It's more than just them missing shots. It's their defense. It's the way that they approach the game. It's LeBron holding on to the ball for I don't know how, God knows how long. I know we want LeBron to have the ball in his hands. But this team ain't built like that because LeBron, last second, give the ball to a Danny Green to miss the f***ing three. KCP to miss the f***ing three. Marquise Morris to miss the f***ing three. So – Something has to change, and playoff basketball is not the time for to change. We should have been had this ready to go, and we came out here like Portland wasn't about to come and stump on our necks. Were we in control at all in this game? No. We had a good two, three minutes, maybe in the first half, in the second half, where we got on to transition. We got a couple of buckets here and there. Kyle Kuzma did something nice, but that's not in control. Do you did, did you see Portland rattled at all? Hell no. They Damian Lillard. In the bubble games, mm-hmm. played how many minutes? How many minutes? And they was resting him. Even with the Lakers having a lead, do you understand that? He was not in, in control. Do you see how we playing? Do you see how stagnant our offense is? Do you see? Look, it's come to a point where our role players can't even effectively drive and kick. If our role players not hitting threes, they don't know what the f*** to do. KCP don't know how to dribble the ball. And I am missing Avery Bradley so bad right now because at least that mother had the wherewithal to know if I miss a three, I can get to a mid-range. I can go and attack the basket and dump it off to my bigs. We have not even dumped the ball off to our bigs. JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard feed off of lobs and dump off, and these mother can't catch the ball. How many times LeBron James passes to one of our bigs and it go out of bounds? That game. And these, these that little stuff right there, Chemistry, I don't care if Marquise Morris has been here late. Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee has been here all season long. What the f***? There's so much stuff that I could just nitpick, and you just watch the way that the flow of the game is and how the Lakers play. 
I have no confidence in my team. I am sorry because they've been playing like ass from bubble games to now. And it is playoff basketball with Damian Lillard and Siege. And on top of that, the Lakers, in order for us to win, we're going to have, we need players to hit shots, right? And we need players to hit shots down the stretch. The Lakers do not have one single player that can do that. There is no way in hell. <laughs> there is no way in wow. hell where we got all of these teams. I, bro, I kid you not. I watched, I watched every game, Monday and Tuesday. And with they, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I, it's it's kind of hard because if the Lakers aren't winning by ten within two minutes, we're because nobody is hitting shots. We're putting it on a small chance that Danny Green is going to hit a shot. Danny yeah. Green. Well, here's a here's a few more tidbits that you might enjoy just to give you a, a little bit of a little bit of time to cool down because I know there's a lot. Uh, you, you know, I just watched some Avatar: The Last Airbender a few few minutes ago going off like Zuko, but just relax. Okay, but, okay. So just to look at the the box score real quick, everyone that played in the starting lineup got a negative plus minus. Kyle Kuzma had a plus five in 30 minutes off the bench. Caruso had a plus 12 in 29 minutes off the bench, but they only scored 16 combined po- points between them going six for 20. I mean, that's not... No one's stepping up. That's the issue. No one is stepping up. And KCP was literally running like a track meet, one point in 29 minutes. Sheesh, man. This is... Oh, I mean... I, I mean, look at look at how we played in the bubble so far. We, the Lakers have yet to convincingly beat one team, even in all wins, even in the wins during this during this per- period of time. They're all close victories. To, if we're gonna, if the Lakers are gonna win a, like the title, we need to convincingly beat teams, and like we can't even, we can't, we're not even close. We're not even close. We're not even close to 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 that level. We need to be. And here's a, a little. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna piggyback just to say it. It. it, it I, I appreciate players from Lakers past that we used to like trash, like Derek Fisher for for instance. Derek Fisher is a a mid level player. If, yes. if that role player, right? Yeah. But when playoff, t- playoff time came and championship games came, Derek Fisher hit shots. Derek Fisher played his role well, and I don't see any player on the Lakers that does that. I don't. I don't see it. And there's other players that's been on the Lakers teams that have done this. Trevor Ariza, when he was on the Lakers, he played his well his role re- well. Showed and I feel like line. KCP was supposed to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, nobody's like you said, Daniel. Nobody's stepping up. And it's just really tough. It's really tough to watch and see and then just to talk to other Lakers fans. And they're like, yeah, we're okay. We're okay. Yeah, we're going to be all right. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm scared. The first I mean, time in the playoffs, I don't know how long. And I'm, I'm scared. I mean, like, and, like, honestly, all the pressure's on LeBron. Because LeBron ain't, like, he, he ain't getting younger. This is, honestly, this is probably one of the most important years yet. He, I think it's important. I think if I'm LeBron, I think it's imperative that in the legacy, in the legacy argument that I win a title this year. Because what I'm, uh, I'm around Kobe's age at this point near the end of his career. So like, like you're, and if we when we saw Kobe, like he, you know, there's evidence out there that your body when it hits father time, it breaks down fast. No matter how good how good you take care of it, it will break down. Yeah, and just to just to piggyback off the the whole shooting low situation. So before the bubble, the Lakers were the tenth worst three point shooting team, shooting at around thirty five percent. And when they got to the bubble, they're shooting 30%. And the last nine NBA champions were top 10 three-point shooting teams, according to Axios. So, 
they brought shooters in, the shooters apparently checked out. So, I mean, I wonder what it is. It, it's to me, I, I probably think it's probably a mental thing. Some, some, I think something's off with this team. Something off happened during the during the break and into the process when they got into the bubble. Something, something just it just it just turned off, and it has yet to turn back on. This is honestly a trend we've seen countless years where we get a quote-unquote shooter that comes to the Lakers and can't hit a, can't hit a shot. I, this isn't the first year I've heard this. In, in all honesty, Danny Green and KCP, they were hitting shots in the regular season, but they were streaky. They were kind of inconsistent. Kuzma was as well. Now it's just highlighted because there's teams that know how to turn on the pressure and the heat, and now it's, it's, it's being highlighted now. Like, it's, our woes are – it's magnified. So <sighs> – <laughs> I don't know, bro. People, players come to Lakers and all of a sudden they can't shoot. I don't get it. They just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's usually a rare player, Nick Young, Lou Williams, maybe Jody Meeks that comes in and now they can hit a shot. But I, I mean, his, historically, the Lakers have always been reliant on their bigs, players that have been large, you know, long in size. The Lakers historically have never been a franchise where you have like, you know, uh, perfect, like prolific three points, uh, three point shooters. So I mean, it it kind of goes in line with Laker history. It, it's unlike what the Warriors have experienced, or right. or or a team like the Pacers with Reggie Miller. Right. And speaking of prolific shooters, we got to give a ton of credit to the Blazers. They are just battling. They're you know clawing their way into the playoffs, and they're just doing whatever they can to win. And big shout out to Damian Lillard because he is on another level. I don't think. Anyone can compare he, at this point. He, dropping he's, 34. Ma- he's making shots a couple feet away from the three point line. Absolutely, I mean, just it, it's just you know, it was like, I, he, how do you, how are you supposed to stop that? How are you supposed to stop that? Yeah, with like a uh, high pick and roll, and then just after like the logo, and then all of a sudden he hits that shot. He runs back on D, and then he's just doing a shimmy, just like it's nothing, just like mm, you know, whatever. I got something to say. I, Kudos to Damian Lillard. I'm nervous of the man. I'm. I was actually as 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 a Lakers fan. I was actually kind of rooting for the Blazers, Blazers to make it because mm-hmm. it's just exciting basketball to see them play. Right. I just yeah. didn't want it to be the Lakers playing against them. Yeah. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that this is going to stop him. But let's let's think back to Steph Curry playing against the Cavaliers. Right. Mm-hmm. What did they do to Curry to make him uncomfortable? They threw Matthew Delvadova on him, and then when Curry's running through screens, they were making sure to bump him, rough him up. That's yeah. what the f- we need to do. That's what the f- you need to do to Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard is a tough junkyard dog. So y'all going out there and playing this ticky tack defense, letting him get space, th- and that's oh. that's that's where that's where we're missing Avery Bradley at. because yeah. Avery and Bradley Rondo. will be in Rondo. They will be in your jersey. I don't care if I'm getting a foul, and I don't see, I don't think any of our players right now is capable of doing that. Alex Caruso might be the only one closest to it, but this this is a situation where. This is where we would watch like hardwood classics and we'll we'll learn about like players like Ron Harper or Scottie Pippen. Oh, this is your assignment assignment. Stick on him. Uh this is all you're gonna do this playoffs. Play defense on Damian Lillard. I don't care if you score, I don't care if you do this, I don't care if you do that. Make sure he doesn't touch the ball. And if we don't implement that now, we're gonna be because that's all ultimately what you got to do you got to guard him all the way through off these screens off the picks uh anthony davis is going to have to step up off the uh the pick and switching because we got to make sure he can't get an open look no and, space for breathing yeah to go off of that point the lakers have quinn cook jr smith and Dion waiters to to use up fouls that's 18 fouls right there just 
you know, to bump up Damian Lillard. I mean, they're not, let's be real here. They're not going to play huge minutes. So you just throw them in there just to bother him, just put a body on him while whoever's resting, then just have like a, you know, a hockey substitution going on, you know, just do it like that. I don't think I mean, that's too difficult, right? Easier said than done, but I, I agree with you. But I'm I'm still going to put like KCP or Caruso on them just so we can kind of get a steal or something here and there and just risk it. But KCP, it's not like he's out there scoring. He had one point last game. So all we're asking you to do is do something. So can you guard Damian Lillard, bro? One point. Like, come on, dog. What's y'all there doing? 30, 29 minutes, right? Yeah. <sighs> Man, I could score one point in fewer than 29 minutes, but that's just me. But anyways. I mean, it, it's it's obvious that this team, like, will there's a big chance this team obviously would benefit from, like, a Rondo returning. But even mm-hmm. then, that's not even a guarantee. He he hasn't played, he hasn't played like, a full game, an official game in months. So, yeah. I mean. And he it has, most definitely will help our, our second unit. I mean. It won't, be, it won't be, like, tremendous, but it will definitely help our second unit. Regardless I mean, if he hasn't played in like four four weeks, it will help. Yeah, I mean th- this team obviously like when when Rondo comes back, we this I mean and the fans in general would obviously prefer like we get playoff Rondo because like it, yeah. it it's it's the it's it's a it's a crucial time right now. Like we need something. It's it's like you know a pit stop. So like a tire needs to be changed and fast, or else right. the whole car is going to go blow. Yeah, and speaking of the car getting blown, Mitchell was driving the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell was driving the Utah Jazz against their matchup against the Denver Nuggets on Monday, and he scored 57, the third most in NBA history behind Elgin Baylor's 61 and Michael Jordan's 63. But he got the L on Monday, but again, he was able to be more of a facilitator today because he was able to rack up wow 30 points and eight assists so he's just balling out i mean the nuggets no matter what they do i saw that they were trying to to press him up early it didn't work he's just on another level too i mean uh i've always liked donovan donovan mitchell and this kind of has all i think to me uh it really highlights his talent i mean in comparison to other other NBA superstars we always talk about other people but i think donovan mitchell Donovan Mitchell definitely needs to be talked about more because, I mean, like what he's doing in Utah is very admirable. Absolutely. He's growing into a leader, and he's taking those big shots, and we've seen that in game one. I don't know what happened to him in OT. I, honestly, he stopped trying to take shots and started being more uh, taking a step back, but that's the time where we need it, and yeah. he showcased that uh, this second game. But absolutely love Donovan Mitchell's game. I love how he approaches it. Um, and like I said, growing into a leader. He's only in his third season, right? Yeah. Crazy. And was he part of that 2015 class? 2016, I think. Because okay. he was with uh, – he was head neck and neck with uh, Ben Simmons, and they had that sweater off or that hoodie off where it's like rookie, someone who yeah. only played the oh, first year. I, mean, uh, I think he – I think Mitchell's was like coming into the draft and looking back now, mm-hmm. um, Mitchell was definitely a draft steal. Um, definitely, Absolutely. Definitely yeah. overlooked. And, you know, Utah, Utah benefited. Yeah, and speaking of other teams that are benefiting, the Nets have a ton of players out, and the Raptors are just taking control of that. They won the first game 134-110, and then the second game 104-99. So, 
and Joe Harris left the Nets too. So I don't think, you know, we have them. We have this as a sweep, right? So basically, yeah. we're sticking to that. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely sticking to the sweep. Uh, I mean, like uh, Milwaukee with, with their with their struggles in the bubble as well. I think Toronto. I mean, it, it's not it's not the hugest chance in the world, but there's a chance that Toronto could actually be, in my opinion, could beat Milwaukee come Eastern Con- the Eastern Conference Finals. And could be the actual team coming from the East. I stated this before. They have the best overall team. Yeah. And I would agree, too. The Raptors are just well-coached. They have so much depth that if, you know, they had Kawhi on Giannis last year, and obviously that paid dividends. But this year they can throw Stanley Johnson, right? He's on that squad. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, too. Those are two long defenders that they could throw at at Giannis and considering the troubles that the Bucks find themselves in, which we'll get to in a minute, I think that's probably the best course of action if you're the Raptors. So just, just that. And moving on, the 76ers are down 0-2 because they just can't get anything going on. Gee, you still, you still think that they can steal one or two games? Going off of what I've seen, I've only seen – I didn't see the game today. Did they play today or yesterday? They played today, and they got blown out okay, by so 27. I saw uh, game one and just seeing that how heavily they're relying on jo- Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. And Joel Embiid, he, he, gets, he gets the job done. But there's a lot of, like, inconsistency with him flopping and trying to shoot threes, the same uh, uh, disease Anthony Davis has. But um, anyways – um, <laughs> seeing how they're playing without Ben Simmons and, and there's just, they're not, they're no matchup for the Celtics. Unfortunately, Al Horford is a mismatch <laughs> on a defensive end because <laughs> yeah. they have those three wings out there, uh, now with Gordon Hayward injured. But when they had Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum out there, mm-hmm. that was just barbecue chicken. Like Shaq says, cause I don't know how they're going to match up with that. Joel Embiid is literally the only player that's gonna, out there going to get his, his buckets. And then once you double team him and make him start flopping and doing that weird shit, you got, you got them beat. So it looking more like a sweep to me. There's no home court advantage either, so. Yeah. yeah. And just a, a quick thing. You mentioned Alf Horford. He only played 23 minutes today. He went two for three for four points, two rebounds, and a block. And, and he one, got a max contract? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Why did he get another big? That's, <laughs> you know team, what? This team has been, like, the last seven years, this team has been full of bigs, seven-footers. Mm-hmm. This brings me to – go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, we were talking about uh, Tobias Harris, too. He went 415 for 13 points, 11 rebounds, two assists, three fouls, and one block. Minus 21 in his 35 minutes. So, need to do a little bit better because now they're in a bit of a, bit of a hole. I mean, this kind of this, – it, it's, it's an ever-constant reminder to me that the process hasn't exactly lived up to the hype. And I mean, it's it's honestly been a disappointing rebuild because, like this, this this I mean, they've gotten back to playoff contention, the Sixers, but they yeah. haven't exactly lived up to the championship caliber potential that they were advertised to, uh, that they were going to be. So because their roster, look at their roster. Yeah, their roster construction is actually kind of ass, if you ask me. <laughs> they so, have I mean, oh, they have I think four or five bigs, not like including Ben Simmons. So, I mean, like, there's going to be – there's definitely going to be a critical point 
for this franchise the next like year or two, maybe maybe three, that like they have to decide like what do we do with Ben Simmons and Joe Embiid because there's I mean like how much time are we gonna give these two to to learn how to play with together? I mean it's I mean t- time time is critical now for for this franchise like like you got I think you gotta move one one of them because yeah. it's it's not working. I'm and, glad you brought that up. Go because ahead. we talked about trades last last week, and I was like, "Yeah, Simmons, Jarrell, don't, don't Wait, get listen, it. listen, listen, listen. Hear me oh. out. So I found a better trade package for the 76ers and the Trailblazers. CJ McCollum, Ben Simmons, swap. Ben mm-hmm. Simmons on the play, on the Blazers and CJ on the 76ers automatically helps both teams. Yes, yes. I and, think and, that'll be a great trade. And the Warriors' nightmare has a lesser chance of coming back. They about to get Giannis. Oh, damn Bucks, it. If the Bucks lose don't, in the playoffs. Spread, don't spread those ideas. They're getting Giannis. No, next, year, next year, Andrew Wiggins is going to be the best player on the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> yeah, okay. So that's – okay. We're going to get to the Bucks in a second. But speaking of, you know, potential places that Giannis could go to, the Mavs lost – Game one, and they're currently playing game two right now. Peek behind the curtain here because we're, we're recording at, at around the same time that the game's going on. But they're playing the game, and Luca is absolutely fantastic. He is, he is probably the best young player in the game today. I mean, okay. I, you can you can say what you want, but he is a fantastic player. Put up forty two points, nine assists, seven rebounds. Had eleven turnovers, but that's okay because it's his playoff debut. And his 42 points are the most for a player in his playoff debut. So that's just – that's incredible for a 21-year-old, right? Yeah, yeah second year. Second that, year. That is amazing. But go ahead, Daniel. Sorry. I mean, like, you know, kind of with the Giannis thing, it's it's better for the league if Giannis ends up in a place like Dallas. I, like, I think, the I think you know, the general fandom has had enough of the war. So don't, don't, don't spread that mess to I'm just saying the the Warriors have been very proactive when it comes to getting their players in the last like five ten years. So just throwing that out there. But yeah. I would like to see him on the Mavericks too. But um, yeah, let's talk about these refs because yeah. KP yeah. got ejected <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off some bullshit. And now like all of these calls and even in the Lakers Trailblazers game. Just so you guys know, I'm not being biased. Calls both ways, just stupid stuff. Like, what is going on? Why y'all blowing the whistle for missed calls, non non calls that should be happening? Players bumping into each other. It's playoffs. Play, let them play. And I think to go off at of that point, I think the more the reason why the referees are more proactive nowadays is because they can see and hear everything. Because with the fans, they'll be like some dude screaming in the back, "Oh, rough your ass!" This thing, that thing. So they're not paying attention as as much as they can to whatever's happening to the game. But now that there's no one there. They can hear like the, or like whatever's going on. So they're like, oh, there's a foul somewhere. Uh, I, so, I, I got to call it. One thing's for sure that Porzingis ejection the other night was one of the most, that was one of the most egregious things I've ever seen, like an NBA ref do. That was tragic, dude. That was, that, really that was like, and the Mavericks had a chance to win that game. And they, that, I think when I saw that, like, okay, Dallas's chances of winning game one just ended right there. Yeah. It was, uh, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, it, it was like, if anything, like Porzingis was just trying to stand up for his teammates. If anything, Porzingis did nothing wrong. Like yeah. well, that was uh, egregious. It was it was stupid. Yeah, and I saw a uh, a little screenshot of a Mori twin, a Morris twin, Morris's twin, a twin. 
he was grabbing Porzingis' neck for like a split second. And yes. he only got what? Did he get anything? Or was it a double tech or something? What was going on? You guys remember what the call was? Or was it I just he got it was a it was some type of technical and like an ejection of Chris Asperzingis from the game. Yeah, well that can't happen. Like these I mean, are like Jarrell said, let them play, right? Exactly. Yeah, and if they're so like like there and aware and don't have any uh, distractions, they should be able to see when stuff is a no call or yeah. who's initiating, you know? Or I mean, just... go ahead. This is kind of my belief. You may not agree with me. I've never been a fan of the technical foul in the first place because it's, it's very, it's very uh, subjective. I mean, like, like honestly, if it's one of those rules in the NBA, it feels like it's something like it depends on the ref. It like it, it's 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 a very subjective foul, and honestly, it, it it honestly feels like like you're hurt. You're like the only reason the ref is calling a technical is because you hurt the ref's feelings, or you don't like how a player is acting. So it's always been a very it's a subjective to, subjective thing to me. It's it's not it's not. I don't think it's always been a fair rule, and I think it deserves to be tossed from the game. I think there's a reason why we have flagrant fouls. So to deal with bad behavior. That's what we have them for. I don't um, think we need – I don't think the sport needs the technical. So, I, a tech, you want to take this or – Go ahead. I was you, – you were about to give, like, a, a specific definition, right? Kind of, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so, a technical foul doesn't pertain to – well, okay. So, a flagrant and a technical are different in that a flagrant is more on the case of it's not particularly a basketball action. So, if you go for a clothesline, that's a flagrant but not a technical. A technical is just talking back to the referee. So okay, I mean, but that's that's just the emotions of the game, right? But like, that's if you why just, I I don't agree with it. If you it's, just say it's a, if you just remove the technical foul, then that allows the player to keep mouthing off to the ref, right? Which and is an annoyance. Saw. It's an annoyance, but the refs should have been trained to tolerate that in the business, in, in the first place. It was ah. it was their job. It was their, it's their job to tolerate these types of types of behaviors. All right, you want to go ahead? I feel like there should be like levels to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But just to say that the referees got have to tolerate disrespect. No. Yeah. So if a player like ha- is riled up in the emotion, like, Oh, f-, and you said <laughs> something. Okay, cool. But like you said, it's subjective. So some referees are going to take more offense to that, but we don't, un- we don't know everything that's going on throughout the game. So a player could have been mouthing off to the referee in first, second quarter, third quarter. F- f- you been about to be off. Tell you tee them up. It's just it's it's a part of the game. It has to be there because you have to give the refs some sort of power. You can't just take that away because then like it's 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 crossing lines. The players have to respect the refs because that's the authority of the the game. You need that officiating because you're going to be all uh, clapping it up if they keep calling fouls for you. James Harden probably loves the refs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a discussion we can get into next week if you guys want to, but. Yeah, just just to keep going on this little summary thing, uh, Kawhi had a really nice game, 29 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, continuing his evolution, getting those software updates. And I just want to slide this in here if you guys don't mind, but I feel really bad for Nick fans (laughs) because KP, he is a fantastic player. You know, he's oft injured, sure, but... That is a player that you just can't give away because of whatever he said. And the Knicks it is, gambled. It's simple. It's simple. Simple and, of that. And they fit. And they, they they lost out big time. They've been gambling for the last 
eight, nine years, and they've been coming up empty. And this one is just an example of, you always say it, man, they got to get rid of James Dolan. And yeah, it's obvious. It start. It always starts from the top. It always. They got Dennis top. Smith Jr. for KP. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no offense, but oh. like, come on, bro. Uh, no, I'm I mean, so sorry like, for them. They garbage. How, how does how does one how does like a person like Stephen A. Smith like deal with that for like nearly 20 years? How? How do how do, how, how do like diehard fans in New York tolerate that? And that's that's actually why I feel bad for him because they have this they put up this facade of oh we're the Knicks the Mecca everyone wants to play here but they're not least, yeah they're realistically not. nobody wants to play for them they're you know I I also trash they're they're not good I they're also argue I also argued that New York City is honestly not really the Mecca of basketball it's it's the West Coast Los Angeles LA. I mean, look at look at the, some of the most powerful basketball dynasties that have happened in the last in the last twenty years. Even the good teams in the nineties, the Seattle SuperSonics, and like the three point revolution, the Golden State Warriors, obviously the Los Angeles Lakers. Now you have this city rivalry between L.A. the L.A. Lakers and and the Los Angeles Strippers. I mean, it's it, like the capital the capital of basketball is arguably on the West Coast, and what most particularly in Los Angeles. Even Portland has a good has a good basketball scene. Seattle. Even though they don't have a team, they had a. They, I think, I definitely believe they still have a good basketball culture in that. The part state of, the of Texas. Oh yeah. I mean, even the state of Texas is the basketball has had more success in the state of Texas than in New York City in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Thirty years. So I mean, the mecca of basketball. If like once I had to argue, if you had to pick a city, it's Los Angeles. I mean, they, New York. They, New York doesn't even compare. Like New York hasn't been relevant in, since the nineties. They probably say that because there's a lot of players that come from new york you know what i'm saying yeah. yes. that that that's what they represent just not the teams yeah you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i would agree with that because the city of los angeles itself doesn't necessarily have that many hoopers right i mean they do okay but compared to new york though because they they start let, them young right they just let's, let's name five five hoopers that's in the nba today from new york and five from la so from LA, Kawhi, Demar, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Paul Love, George, Paul. No, Paul George from Palm Day, right? Yeah, I'm considering it LA. <laughs> yeah, Paul George, Harden, Westbrook. There's a lot of there's a lot of players, man. Like top tier players too, right? Yeah. All right, now let's go New York. Anyways, Kyrie. <laughs> Kyrie. Moving on. Uh, he's from New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh, okay. If the first person that came to mind was Lance Stevenson. And he ain't even in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> dude, I had Ron Artest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean Stephon Marbury, right? L- Lamar Odom, maybe? Yes. There's a lot, but we could, we, we could start naming the L.A. Uh, guys <laughs> from years past, too. I mean, one last point I want to make on this, on, this, on this segment is that if you – I'll leave it at this point. People argue that the 1980s in the 80s, Showtime and Bird saved the sport, saved the NBA, and possibly the sport of basketball in general. Showtime. It was because of LA that the NBA is where it is at, it is at today. Showtime. Magic. The Lakers. I feel like that's a big part of elevating it. Yes. Yeah. The rivalries. And yes. Yes. LA and- saved basketball. 
Well, L.A. and Boston. You got to give Boston its due. Yeah, I will give it to. But I argue Magic did more, did had a bigger role than Larry. But that's my bias. It's my bias. I I see what you're saying too, because like as it trickles into the '90s, just the the play style and the noise that L.A. makes. Oh, we we get we signed Shaq. Oh, we we drafted Kobe. Oh, like there's a lot of big things that happen with Boston. Yeah. <laughs> like, you feel me? Like it's just Boston. They drafted well, okay. They didn't make any like splashes in the free agent like that. Like it's until two thousand seven, right? Yeah, and that's a while from Bird to then. Yeah, and speaking of a while, the Bucks, man, they really got. They don't have a lot of time to fix whatever they need to fix because they lost to the Magic, one twenty two, one ten. USC alum Nikola Vucevic, 35 and 14, and Terrence Ross, 18 off the bench. Shout out to those two because they are playing well. And the second, the second that Giannis has, you know, whenever he gets cut off, he doesn't really know what to do. And that's kind of the problem with Giannis is that the Orlando Magic, they're missing a ton of their guys. And I can see you shaking your head, man. Yeah, Aaron Gordon. Who else? Uh, Jonathan Michael. Isaac. Man. But go ahead, continue. They have a lot of lengthy defenders that can just bother Giannis, even though he put up 31 and 17. That is just one of those things that you need other people to step up because one guy can't do it alone. We've seen it with the Lakers. And Chris Middleton only had 14 points on 4 of 12 shooting. That's not enough. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but if you're paying your second best player to put up 14 points – that's not good. That is not good at all. And it's not conducive to a championship team. And Coach Bud, he's got a lot of uh, a lot of explaining to do to try and get things figured out. Um, I've stated this earlier in a, a previous podcast. The Bucks the Bucks, <laughs> Chris Middleton is not a second option, bro. He's he's more of a third option to me. And the the Bucks are in a similar situation as the Lakers. Yeah. Down the stretch. Who are you gonna pass the ball to? If the Bucks aren't blowing you out by 10, 15 points by that three-minute three, third, three minute mark of the fourth quarter, you're Because Giannis could have these stats. But if it's a close game, they're not winning. They don't have anybody to make shots. Yes, they can hit threes. And that's what I'm saying. Giannis going to leave. Yeah. Wants to go to state because at least they can hit. <laughs> and Giannis right. doesn't have to, to be that guy. Giannis is a great player. But – Compare. I'm not saying he's LeBron, but compared to LeBron, they down the stretch. That's not what they want to do. They want to pass it off, give it to somebody else to hit that shot, make the smart play. Ah, there's just not enough for the Bucks, man. Like, I mean, okay. To be fair, though, they just need one good game from one other player because they could easily knock off the Magic. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. They just so need one. They good definitely game. have a. They'll definitely like you know knock off the Magic. I mean, the, the, the question is, like, can the Lakers knock off the Blazers? I mean, the, the Blazers are definitely a different animal compared to our that, We're not comparing the Blazers to the Magic, bro. The Blazers no. shouldn't even be the eighth seed. Yes. They're the eighth seed because of injuries. <laughs> yeah. If anything, the, the Blazers should be, if fully healthy, I would say top four. I would, I would agree. I would agree. Very easy. And was I, I was about to say something. Uh, the Bucks, they're – not this first round, but the Bucks don't want to see the Celtics, man. Yeah, they but, don't want to see the Celtics. They're they about to get taken out because they're going to do yep. the same thing they did to Giannis in previous years and just just cut them off. 
it seems yeah. like in the playoffs they they have Giannis number because mm. he's gonna do the same. Sh- there's there's that tweet on Twitter uh, with comparing Giannis's offensive mindset with that of a running back doing an HB dive, HB dive, HB dive. <laughs> that means just running up the uh, straight line, uh, bean line drive to the basket, mm-hmm. and that's all he got. So it's not gonna work in the playoffs. Buck, Bucko. Yeah, yeah, I saw that too, and there's not. I haven't seen anything more indicative of the Bucks struggles than that because it's just handed off to Giannis, kind of like in in Fresh Prince, give it to Will, right? Just Absolutely. give it to Will, and then if someone does something, they're probably gonna mess it up. So, and he still ha- he has that that rookie sophomore syndrome where the game is on the line. I just gotta and just do some <laughs> random weird. Sh- Low key like Kyle Kuzma. No offense to Giannis. Giannis is way better than Kyle Kuzma, but there's that one track mind. Uh, I'm down by five. I just got to attack the basket and do some wild, crazy stuff and hope for a foul. So what I'm hearing is potentially a Celtics-Raptors Eastern Conference Finals. I'm picking the Raptors. I'm picking the Celtics. Ooh, okay. I just, I just, I just, coaching-wise, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a battle. Uh, look. But, Toronto, but Toronto's flowing better. And they're, I think they're, I think they're, ex, they're more experienced than the Celtics. That is true, but the Celtics' time is now. For the most part, not to win the championship, but at least to take the East. They have been yeah. knocking on the door for a minute, and for the most, for for majority of the time, we're seeing Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, kind of lead the team. We're we're fa- we're not factoring in that they have one of the best point guards in the league that's just quietly just being there in Kemba Walker. Right. And there's it's only a moment of time where he wakes up and. Because bro is kind of nervous right now. I'm in the playoffs. I'm on the team that actually can win. So he kind of like feeling it out. But once Kimball Walker, come on. I, I just think the Celtics have – again, I agree. Toronto Raptors have the best overall team, but the Celtics have better weapons. Yeah, I would I agree. I want to say this. I want to say this. In the event, in the sickening event that we have a finals between the Los Angeles Strippers and the Boston Celtics, I would have no choice – but to root for the Los Angeles Strippers because there's nothing worse. I can't, I can't, I can't fathom seeing the Boston Celtics raise the 18th banner. No, that's not happening. Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take, I'll take the other poisonous, poisonous pill. I'll, I'll, I'll take Doc Rivers and his bull, and I'll take Lou Williams and his chicken wings. Yeah, over, over Boston. And yeah, and with that in mind, even if that does happen, like the Clippers have so much wing defense that they're just going to shut down, you know, Tatum and Brown easy. It's going to, it's going to make me sick to my stomach either way in that, you know, in that finals matchup, but I, I, that's I'll where Kimba it. comes in. Yeah. Right. I know. But then no, Pat Beverly. No. I mean, <laughs> for, for all his antics, he's oh. a pretty, he's a pest. That's all he needs to be. He can throw a dude off his game. He, yeah, he a pest, but nah, I'm sorry. Nah, we got we got uh, Marcus Smart for that. Marcus Smart will, will put that little chihuahua <laughs> down. F- out of here with that. I'm sorry. Patrick Beverly. Wow, <laughs> I'm <okay>. scared. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Come on, Walker. Come on now. Patrick Beverly is the defensive stopper for non-superstars. No offense. He's not stopping a superstar player. He's not stopping an all-star player. I'm sorry. Role players, yeah. He might get in their head a little bit, yeah, but – Superstars, they don't they don't get affected. Yeah, I don't think so. They might get upset because it's irritating, but other than that, they still get their buckets. So, fair enough, fair enough. But speaking of being a bucket getter, we have two more games here. 
the Thunder and the Rockets, obviously a uh, somewhat high-scoring affair. Harden went for 37 points, 11 rebounds. He recorded his 20th career 35-point playoff game, passing Steph Curry for third most among active players, only trailing LeBron and KD. And on the flip side, CP3 had a near triple-double with 20 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. Steven Adams had 17 points, 12 rebounds. And Danilo Gallinari had 29 points in the game. Do you guys have anything to add here? Because I just want to point out that I think this will be a much tougher series for the Rockets. But we'll see because... I still think the Rockets pull out. I think the Rockets will pull out. I'm six, six or seven. I'm, I'm giving the Rockets the six. Okay. No one can guard James Harden. Yeah, no one. I, I, I honestly don't like watching the Rockets play, but it, James Harden has he. You know what he did? He probably studied the book like Kobe did. You know, reading the referees like manual yeah. as far as that goes. He nobody on the, nobody on the Thunder is going to be able to stop stop. And we're going to see our veterans from the Thunder do what they do like they did now, but it's not going to be enough when all they're doing is shooting threes and you can't stop the threes. And if you can't stop the threes, they're getting to the free throw line. It's yeah. a pitiful basketball to watch. Until they start missing. If they start missing, then the Thunder got a chance. But if they're hot like this. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I see I see the Rockets taking it maybe in like six or seven, quite honestly, because the Thunder for all CP3 is done for the team, for all Steven Adams is done for the team, for all that you know, Danilo Gallinari is doing for the team. They just don't have enough to contend, especially three-point shooting-wise. So, yeah. Fingers crossed Chris Paul doesn't get injured. I know I'm not trying to, like, throw out the bad jujus, but he's been known to get injured in the playoffs. Yeah, knock on wood. Let's, yeah. That, let's knock on that, wood. That year, that, uh, what did he hurt? His, his thigh? Everything. It, yeah. Against, <laughs> it's been against, multiple years. <laughs> against against yeah. the Warriors and, you know, like, you know, Houston was on the verge of going to the NBA Finals. Yeah. But, Thank, but, da- you know, but Chris Paul's damn body. Yeah, it's it's a travesty that he's had so little success for all the success he's had elsewhere. And Houston would have won that year. Houston would have won that year. I believe it. Yeah, it just sucks that, you know, it, <laughs> it happened. But, you know, it, it is what it is. But And speaking of the last thing here where we we neglected probably the most interesting matchup, the Heat versus the Pacers. And the Pacers, they lost 113-101 to the Heat because the Heat are just a really good team. They're well-coached. Butler had 28, Goran Dragic had 24, Bam Adebayo had 17 and 11 rebounds, while TJ Warren had 22 points and 8 rebounds on 9 of 18 shooting. That's... You know, for everything that's going on between Butler and TJ Warren, that's a pretty solid game, not going to lie. I think the Pacers are going to put up a good fight. I, but obviously, I think Miami's going to take the show. Um, I, Miami has been a, an excellent team all year, and it's a testament to their organization. I think the Miami Heat are one of the best. Honestly, they're, one of the, they're like a top five organization in all basketball. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Heat, they're, the Heat are taking this one. I agree with you. The Heat are taking this, and no offense to T.J. Warren, but when T.J. Warren is your best player, you're not winning. Yeah, he's not. Man. He's not your superstar. He's not your your leader. He's he's stepping up, but you have Victor Oladipo on your team. What, what what is he doing? I think he's still trying to recover from that injury he had last year. Malcolm is Brogdon. That, what is he doing? Not showing up. All right. So if T.J. Warren is going to be the leader. 
the Pacers have no chance. But this is good for him because he going – I don't know if his contract up after this year, but, you know, just one of those seasons. Go out there and get buckets. It's like a a dream season for him. Yeah. Especially in the bubble. But, but yeah, those are all the matchups for the last few days. Um, We'll probably cover the next matchups. Well, yeah, we will definitely cover these upcoming matchups next week. But, you know, with – with all that being said, I saw that the NBA had no positive tests for Corona again, so which is fantastic news. Shout I mean, out to it, everyone doing work. It's it's a piece of good news in in a an environment right now where like things are supposedly getting worse. So I mean, I, I guess I guess at least someone is doing well in this pandemic. Yeah, and speaking of doing well, that's a great segue. There's actually even more good news because. This is all from Axios, and there's a lot to go over, so I'm going to try and be as clear about this as possible. But the USDA issued emergency authorization on Saturday for public use of Saliva Direct, a simple, low-cost saliva-based coronavirus test developed at Yale University and partly funded by the NBA and the NBPA. So the reason why this is such a big thing is because usually these the coronavirus tests would cost about you know a few hundred dollars per sample this nba funded test will cost consumers as little as ten dollars according to bloomberg and depending on the proximity of the lab results could be available within a few hours and this is one of those things where it's extremely important because they need to know how efficient these systems are going to be and with yale university working with the nba that's just one of those things that is unmatched in today's world because it's also important to note that while the NBA and NBPA contributed over $500,000 to fund this work, they don't intend to take royalties if the method works. And just another great thing. And if you're interested in how it works, it's kind of actually pretty simple. Um, So you basically just put it somewhere where Okay, let me try and explain this a little bit better. So it doesn't require special swabs or devices, so it can be used by almost any lab with basic equipment, and it removes the need to extract RNA, the most expensive and resource-intensive part of the nasal swab tests. It uses chemicals mixed with the saliva sample and a short heating process that releases the virus genome, according to ESPN's Zach Lowe. So I know that sounds really complicated, and in a lot of ways it it really is but this is one of those things where you know the nba is stepping up in other ways that other leagues aren't and this is especially during a pandemic it's vital that sports leagues that we look up to and people that we see are in power are taking steps to help the common person so i think it's a fantastic thing it's a wonderful idea and it's great that these things are starting to get developed and i just hope that it continues what do you guys what do you guys think obviously this makes me very hopeful and that this is a sign that we're starting to fully un, like understand better and how to treat this disease and you know and and it's good that the nba is taking the innovative approach and it's it's very in line what they have done throughout their whole history and so yeah it's a good thing and uh, you know it's a sign that you know uh, while things seemingly may get worse there's there's light at the end of the tunnel uh, at the tunnel. I agree. 
just making it accessible, just reading down the doc, just making it accessible for everyone. I mean, that's ultimately what we want to get done because a lot of people aren't going to be able to or are afraid to get the testing done. So this is just another avenue for them to um, ultimately get that testing done. So absolutely kudos to the NBA. They've been pioneering doing a lot of good for us <laughs> uh, society-wise. So keep it up. Speaking of keeping things up, you know, the NFL, they're going through their whole thing, you know, college football, this thing, that thing. And something that really I thought was really interesting was the whole argument about playing sports during a, a pandemic. And because we don't necessarily know what COVID-19 does to people, right? One of these things that I've been reading up was that a lot of, a lot of studies and a lot of tests have come out showing that more and more athletes and more and more active people with COVID-19 end up getting myocarditis. And what that is, is when the heart is inflamed because of a viral infection, and that could cause heart complications and can lead to sudden death in athletes, according to Axios. And per year, myocarditis causes about 75 deaths in athletes per year between the ages of 13 and 25. And the chief medical officer of the NCAA, Brian Hainline, said that at least a dozen college athletes have myocarditis because after testing positive. And even, even with this, uh, they did a, a, basically a control in, in Germany with 100 adults who survived COVID-19. And they found that 60% of people who, who had even mild cases of COVID-19 had myocardial inflammation so this just goes to show anyone is at risk and if you're planning on playing a game a sport during a pandemic and you happen to have it you're in serious danger of potentially dying that's how serious yeah. this this entire situation is so i mean especially a sport like football yeah it's, like it's like high impact like every possession yeah and the, the thing is if they do have myocarditis, they need to stop activity for weeks or months so that the inflammation can go down or else it's fatal. So, yeah, I just, you know, I, you know, as someone who had it and still dealing with it, like I'm, this is one of those things where it makes sense for athletes. Like even, even me as I exercise or whatever, it, I kind of lower down the intensity because I still feel the effects. I can only imagine what they have to go through because their workout routines are so strenuous, right? Yes. I can only imagine what they have to go through. And like, again, especially football players, given that like it's potentially the most physical team sport in the world, possibly. Yeah. Especially for college football players that aren't getting paid for this. Shouldn't be playing. Here's a, speaking of which, j just a, a quick thing, good news do you guys know who Alex Smith is? Yes. Yes. Uh, do you want to take this quick thing about Alex Smith returning to in returning to play? All right. So Alex Smith is returning from his injury after two years of being absent from the NFL. He broke his leg and almost died. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he's back there doing uh, uh, practicing on the field. So that's good. Good news. And um, it was, and if you've seen like the footage of the injury, it was honestly one of the most horrific injuries I've ever seen a football player suffer. He could have died from his injuries, and 
you know, luckily he's alive today. Um, I mean, it's good to see him back. Uh, I think he, he can be a benefit to that team. And, you know, I, 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 I wish the best for him. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I like just seeing, I didn't see the injury, of course, that sounds horrific, but just seeing, I. yeah, just seeing his timeline, he had like sepsis, I think, and he was confined to a wheelchair at one point, And then he had to go through multiple surgeries just to get his leg intact because it was destroyed essentially. Oh, like kudos to him for sticking with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's always a good, feel good story to hear athletes come back from those injuries that are really life changing. So Mm -hmm. glad to see that he's back out there. But, um, in other good news, we were, we have our first black president, not Barack (laughs) Obama. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) Listen, here we are. All right. So the Washington football team, you heard that correctly. The Washington football team has made former player Jason Wright, 38 years old, the first black president in NFL history and the league's youngest current president. So Wright spent the last seven years as a partner at McKinsey, rebuilding companies in Peril? Peril? Peril. Peril. Yeah. So sounds like it'll be a good fit for him. You know, hopefully the Washington football team, again, Washington football (laughs) team, uh, starts making some positive moves in their near future. Uh, I mean, they've been changing faces for 20 years, but I guess this could be a symbolic first step. I mean, if the, if the Washington football team is to succeed for the, you know, in the coming years and the future seasons, uh, Dan Snyder has definitely got to like release controls and, you know, get out of 24 seven NFL ownership life because with him at the, it's like him and uh, James Dolan, they, they belong in the same ship together. Terrible owners that really shouldn't uh, have anything involved with the the day to day process. Kind of like Jim Buss with the Lakers for a little bit, right? And but Jim Buss was like he wasn't as bad as those two, but he was pretty he, he was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glad that there's some diversity in the NFL. Um, I don't know much about it, I'll be honest. But you know, if you're hiring the first black president in NFL history at in 2020. How long, how long has the league been around since early early twentieth? Um, it, it didn't really it didn't really like become a, a thing thing until like the forties and fifties. Baseball was kind of like the NFL, and then and then like the NFL took over in the in the second half. So about seventy years, we have our first black president. Yeah, right. In so NFL. after if uh, uh, well, at least at least they're doing something. At least this is a start. Regardless of how slow it is, it is still a start. So, I mean, it's not surprising given that, you know, the NFL obviously is the most conservative uh, right-wing, right-wing-leaning sports league that's out there. So, I mean, yeah. at, at, least, at least we got to this point. It's kind of now there's signs we can try at least move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, speaking of which, there's just a few more quick hitters here I want to talk about before we wrap things up. Uh, the Seattle Storm, they're doing fantastic. They're currently 10-1 and one in the Wubble. Um, obviously, things can change between now and whenever this comes out. But their t- the 10-1 start is the, is the best start in franchise history. At least it's tied for it. And so I'm thinking that they, they might have a really good chance of winning it. And just looking at the standings here, maybe the Aces or the LA Sparks, shout out to LA, got to support them because, you know, LA. But, Your girl, Candace Owens. Candace Parker. Oh, oh oops. 
<laughs> Don't ever disrespect Candace Parker like that again, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. That that wow. was the that was the wrong person, and she she's actually not a good person. So yes. <laughs> if you know, there is a Candace Owens. She, she, okay. She's not pleasant. But Candace Parker is amazing. Yes, she's. So let's she's talk amazing. about that, Candace. Yes. But go ahead. Continue. Oh yeah, Candace Owens. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, I'm actually yeah. shocked. I'm shocked because I thought the Phoenix Mercury will be doing better than what they're doing. They're the sixth seed right now. Yeah. And I was expecting a little bit more from their big three. Yeah, I think that's kind of the thing, right? Griner, you got Taras- Diggins. Diggins and Tarasi, right? So mm-hmm. I think with all big threes, they got to kind of – yeah. Mesh and try and figure out which cog there, goes where, but there's a there's always a big transition process when you ever have a big three or a big yeah. four, what whatever. Yeah, and so I have you know I'm not gonna go against what the WNBA standings are. I'm gonna go for Seattle. They're you know they're good. Brianna Stewart's back, so I see good things for them in the future. And the New York Liberty are oh they're. They're in some shit right now. One and nine after, after. Hey, it, it's not all bad. It's not all bad. You it's have this bad. girl. <laughs> it's 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 not all bad. She's the number one I, pick is injured. I, I know. The rest of the I, know I know. And I know. I know. But <laughs> but you'll you'll get another high pick in the future, and you, you get you get you know you get you know someone to play with Ionescu, and you have Ionet Sabrina Ionescu. So the team gets younger. Because they are the youngest team in the league. Yeah. <laughs> it's they don't enough. need that. They need some veteran presence that's there. It's going to help look, lead on an escape. Look, look, Sabrina, I ask you, like, you're definitely not going to win. Obviously not going to win this year, but you're thinking about, like, three, four, five years down the line. Well, I mean, looking at the Sandys right now, they have a shot to make it to that eighth seed. So they're only two and a half games back, surprisingly. Who? Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, oh Lord. <laughs> if they make a if they make a push in the season, it's a short season, but if they make a push, they could potentially make it there. Not saying that they will, but they could. So it'll shock a lot of people and then, you know, Sabrina comes back, she'll have that Mamba mentality and she could just go off, man. Who knows? I mean, just you know, like three, four, five years from now. The New York Liberty could be a bigger attraction than the New York Knicks. Yeah. Just, just thinking about it. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but I just hope that she can get healthy because it's very early in her career to get an injury that sidelines her for the year. I don't I mean, know if they're just being super precautious because it's kind of like she, a weird She's season. a generational talent, too. Yes. Uh, Derrick Rose was a generational talent. And this was a freak accident. A freak injury, I should say, not an accident. But. Derrick Rose wasn't a freak incident. Excellent. Okay, to be fair though, Thibs, like we said, no, Ran, a hot down. Like I'm, not, said, I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I just I'm saying I hope that she can become healthy. That's all I'm saying. And stay okay. healthy. Okay. Because I want to see her play. I want her to be in the wise words of Mr. Daniel Huynh, the Jesus for the WNBA. <laughs> all right, man. Sure. But yeah, speaking of Mamba mentality, I just want to end things off here. The Kobe week is just around the corner. So, yeah, I got you. I see you got your jersey on. All I'm going to say is I'm probably going to have a ton of L's. So, for whoever's listening out there, 
good luck to you. Good luck copping those kicks, you know, snagging those jerseys. Good luck to you because it couldn't be me. Wow, you got to be more optimistic, man. We, right. we getting these kicks. We getting these jerseys. The only thing that's going to mess us up is our delivery services. But we're not. I'm not going to throw out any names. But fingers crossed. Yep. I mean, dude. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna say. You know what? Fingers crossed. We'll we'll see what happens. But at least if one you pair. If you guys are if you guys are out there, good luck to you, Kobe Week, and you know just enjoy it. Enjoy the chase. Enjoy the thrill because it's yeah, it's one of those things. But yeah. With that being said. Make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter and at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram for all the news on the Shooting Bricks Podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. And I'm Daniel Wynn. And joining us. It's your boy, Really Real, Jarrell Sells. And we will see you next week.